Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Great, fantastic. Well, um, I sincerely, sincerely uh, want to thank you uh, for letting me on this stage. Uh, it's a very risky thing for you to do. And um, we're just so grateful just for the welcome. And as Sarah said, it's so great. Last time we are here, it feels like so long ago. And there's so many new faces. And so for those of you who have not yet had the chance to meet, um, I'm just so glad you're here. And whether or not you're new to church, whether you've been in church before, whether you're still trying to make sense of this Christianity stuff, uh, just to let you know, you're in safe hands and you're in good company because we're all on this journey trying to find out uh, what all this God stuff is all about. So I'm not going to spend too long talking about my own journey uh, because I really want to help um, nurture and encourage you in this whole area of peace stuff. So I'm going to see if my little zapper works. Hopefully, I haven't messed it up. So let's see. And I'm not going to blind anybody with my laser. Great. Okay. So this is the scripture here in Galatians. So this is the one that you've been following. Galatians 5, to 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And so today I know that you've done the love and the joy. Today we're going to look at peace. So I thought I'd better look in the Bible. Better not just make it up. Better just find out exactly what it means and where it comes from and all this kind of jazz. And I found this word here. It's actually a Greek word. Does anybody here know any Greek? A little bit. I'm not going to brag too much, but I know a little Greek. It's my mate Stavros lives down the road. There you go. Uh, anyway, sorry for those of you who are Greek or think that was slightly racist. Don't blame Sim. All right. He didn't know that was coming and he's never going to invite me again. It's not his fault. Great. So this word here is Irene. Everybody say Irene. It means peace, but it means five different sorts of peace, okay? These are the things it means. So first of all, it's like a state of national tranquility. So in other words, peace between nations. Uh, The next one is like peace between individuals. Uh, It means security, safety, prosperity. It talks about peace with God. So salvation, the peace we get with God when we invite him into our lives to forgive us. It also means of Christianity, so in other words, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Oh, what a great line that is. Let's just ponder and meditate on that. And then, lastly, it means the blessed state of devout and upright men after death. Never knew this when I was looking at it, but I know there's lots of stuff there, so you'd be pleased to know, only going to spend 45 minutes on each point. Okay, so you'll be done in time for your afternoon tea. I can see you're very pleased with that. Actually, I'm only going to do a couple of points here. But why is peace uh, such an issue? Why is it so important? Well, actually, uh, peace is a really elusive thing in our current age. And it's not just in our current age, but, but the whole of history. Peace has been something that we haven't always been able, able to grab. I don't know if anybody feels like me, but sometimes I switch on the news. And within five minutes, I'm kind of reaching for the gin and tonic because it's so depressing. Does anybody else feel, I don't know about the gin and tonic, you don't have to raise your hand for that. Just the, just the lack of peace bit, yeah? I do, I really do. And there's so much, oh my days. There's wars and then there's arguments and it just feels like, where is the peace? Society of International Law in, and Society of International Law in London states that during the last 4,000 years, there have been over uh, only 268 years of world peace. Out of 4,000 years, only 268 years have been uh, filled with peace. 
85% of all history concerns itself with war, and over 8,000 peace treaties were made and broken in all the years. Why are we so rubbish at this peace business? Well, the reason for that is this, is that peace is not to be found outside of the human heart, or rather, it's actually found inside the human heart. And it's found through a relationship with our creator God, okay? So peace isn't a state of mind or a circumstance in nature. It is simply a condition of the heart. So sometimes we externalize peace as this this weird ethereal thing which we can't obtain. Actually, peace is about the condition of our heart. And if our hearts aren't in the right place, then we don't experience that peace with others. It's a condition of the heart. It's a fruit of the spirit. And ultimately, it's a gift from God. It's not something we deserve, but actually it's a wonderful, wonderful gift from God. So when our hearts aren't right, they're out of kilter, then our peace is actually out of kilter. So mankind was, we were created to worship our creator. And if we're out of sync with God, our creator, then there never truly will be peace in our soul. When we get that bit right, that's when we experience peace. And then corporately, as we experience peace individually, we start to feel peace and experience peace as a community and as a nation. So there are three kinds of peace that God has for the Christian believer, okay? Be pleased, I've literally got three points really, really quickly. Scribble these down, even if the only things you scribble down today are these scripture references. Please, please do do it, because I find them really, really helpful that I I sometimes lose my sense of peace, I sometimes get anxious, I sometimes get a little bit busy and caught up in the speed and the trappings of modern living. And sometimes I just have to remember these scriptures, actually, because they reinforce to me again what it's all about and who it's all about. So the first one is this. Well, it's not a scripture, actually. It's the first point. Upward peace. And we're going to look at our peace with God. Real peace consists not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. So it's not about trying to remove things which are a challenge to peace. It's actually about allowing ourselves to experience more of God. I love um, this one here, the God of peace, which is found in Romans 16, 20. One of the most beautiful names given to our Father in heaven is the God of peace. Okay, he is peace himself. And Isaiah there in 9.6, the prince of peace, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And without the Prince of Peace in our lives, we will never truly experience the peace that he wants us to have. And uh, I found this image, cheese-tastic, scale number 10. No peace, sorry, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, and you know peace. I've got some t-shirts I've printed out. Each one of you can take them home with you. I'd really like to wear them to work your next day. Is that okay? I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of those Christians that likes wearing these sorts of t-shirts. Is there anyone else who've, who's a bit like that? Phew, I'm around normal people. Great. If you do like those, you're normal as well. You're okay. But just, it's not my bag. Okay. But even though it's a cheesy, sort of funny, clever little thing to do, actually, scripturally, it is accurate that if we don't have Jesus, we won't have the peace. But if we know Jesus, 
we will know peace because he is the Prince of Peace. And humanity turns to many things to try and fill that peace hole in our lives. Sometimes it's substance misuse. Sometimes it's casual relationships with others. It might be about our elevated status. It might be about possessions. And some people turn to God. And I didn't, I didn't realize this, but while I was looking into uh, peace and, and kind of how it all uh, works, uh, they were talking about these firms that make pharmaceuticals. And they talked about the, the, um, the behavioral habits, especially in terms of America and people's sleeping habits. And often people struggling to sleep because they, uh, they're filled with stress and the lack of peace. And it, it estimates by 2020, Americans will be spending $10 billion on sleep clinics alone to help people sleep better. $10 billion to help people sleep better. Now, okay, I appreciate that some people really struggle to sleep, and part of that might be due to medical reasons. Part of that is due to lifestyle. So if you're, watching, if you're using your eye devices uh, late at night, people say that that um, disrupts sleep. Is anybody, is anyone on a phone or iPads late at night? Yeah, me too. And I keep telling myself, don't do it, Carl. That's why you feel so tired in the morning. So there's loads of reasons why actually our sleep is disturbed. But the majority is to do with our lifestyle and our mental health. In fact, I heard a story of one man who was so addicted to the sleeping pills that he took that he used to set his alarm clock at 12 o'clock every night to wake himself up so he could take his sleeping pill. It's a true story. How messed up is that? We become so obsessed and we get so busy and frazzled and frantic that actually we lose our peace. But Jesus promised that he wouldn't abandon us and leave us to it, but he would leave his peace. And I love this bit here. In John 16, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So today, let that be one of the scriptures that is encouraging you. He wants to give you his peace. It's not he giving it reluctantly. It's not like you have to grab it and wrench it out of him. He's saying, I give you it freely. What an amazing God we've got, yeah? Who gives us the very best stuff freely. And it is an upward peace. We no longer become estranged from God. Because accepting Jesus as our saviour and turning from sinful thoughts and actions, we discover a peace with God. No longer estranged and no longer separated. I love this uh, one in Ephesians. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Come on, Jesus. Love that. I don't know if, uh, how many of you here have um, surrendered your lives to Jesus. You'd call yourself a Christian. There was a moment in, in, uh, in your life where you said, actually, I recognize Jesus, that you want a relationship with me. And all that you want me to do is to surrender my life into your hands, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and to exchange that for your righteousness, your holiness, and it comes into my life. But I remember my experience really, really well. And I remember such a battle going on in my life. Does anybody else remember that moment? A bit of a battle going on. I remember I hadn't, I hadn't been brought up in a Christian family. Uh, my parents, my dad was a successful doctor and my mum was a nurse and we lived in this lovely house and this lovely, on paper, idyllic uh, family experience. And then my mum and dad divorced when I was about 13 and my world started to crumble. And my mum actually had a bit of a nervous breakdown as a result of all of that stuff. And at the age of uh, 13, one day she came home and she was on fire. Her face was glowing and she looked amazing and happy. And she went, Carl, Carl, guess what? Guess what? 
And I was like, what? what? You're never going to believe this. And I'm thinking, here it is. She's won the pools. Man, look at her face. We are loaded. And uh, so I said, what is it, mum? What is it, mum? How much? So she went, I found Jesus. And I was like, Ugh. right, okay. And part of me, I was obviously gutted about the lack of the pool situation. But the thing I was most gutted about is I genuinely thought she'd lost the plot. I thought she had really, really lost the plot. And I thought because of the divorce and the breakdown, she was having a breakdown. And anyway, these three lovely ladies basically had become friends with her and they'd help her discover what true love actually looks like. And they cared for her and they introduced her to Jesus. And she changed like that. And no matter how much I kept saying, there's no way she can keep it up. Because she turned from this really miserable at times woman, shall we say, into this most delightful, full of joy, crazy, fun-loving woman. And I thought, yeah, it's still part of the nervous breakdown bit, though. There's going to come a drop at some point. She's going she's gonna to fall, fall off the cliff and she's going to go back. But she didn't. And no matter how much I kind of gave her loads of grief about it, she still loved me and she still cared for me. And she still had loads of peace. And that was the thing that I really noticed that changed in her life. She became a peaceful person. And no amount of human striving could have ever achieved that. And that was one of the things which started to make me take her seriously. Anyway, we had this deal. She kept inviting me to church. And I was like, none of it, mum, thanks very much. At that point, I'd gone to university. I'd kind of got involved in all sorts of stupid things. I was involved in drugs and clubs and, in actual fact, involved in selling drugs because it was cheaper that way. And I thought when I finished university, that's what I was going to make in my life. I thought, I'm going to come home and just set up, and I've got it nailed. And anyway, she kept inviting me to church. I'm like, Mum, I'm not going to church. Full of weirdos. Please forgive me, guys. Please forgive me. I'm one of them now. I'm like, oh, I don't, am I weird, Sarah? Don't answer that one. Anyway. And I, uh, and I said, Mom, I'm not going to church. Really, really not going to church. And she said, look, please, please come to church. Anyway, this was a weekly thing. It was like Chinese water torture. And eventually, I said, Mom, I'll tell you what, I will go to church once and once only if you promise you'll never invite me again. She said, deal. Man, how much faith did she have? And I turned up, and it was, it was this church, which was, a, it was in an old school building. It's not, not as nice as this. It was like this kind of really old school building. And there was this little Scottish guy on the door, and he was only about that tall on me. And I'd never seen him before, and, you know, I was, I was this kind of 20-year-old 20, 20 guy, and I was just whatever, and I'm just trying to sleep, sneak in, and he suddenly went, ah, you must be wee Jilson. And then this little guy wrapped his arms around my waist, and I had this guy hanging on me, and I, I thought, what do I do? So I kind of just patted him on the head. I was like, <laughs> it was awkward. It was awful. And I was kind of sneaked in the back of church. And there was these people who were jumping up and down and hands in the air and singing hallelujah. And, and the, they, they had this band who were kind of playing a song. And then somebody would talk a little bit about Jesus. And then they'd do another song. And it was rubbish. It was absolutely dire. And I was sat at the back just thinking, what a bunch of Muppets. And as they were doing this stuff, the guy was talking about how Jesus died on the cross and how he made a way. And it doesn't matter how far you are away, that God will sort you out. And all of a sudden, I found tears coming down my face. I'm thinking, whoa, what is happening here? I'm not even thinking about God. But I started to experience the peace of God in my life. I started to feel him welcoming me. It's the only way I could explain it. And they gave an appeal and they said, is anyone here who needs to know Jesus, who wants to surrender their lives and allow God to take away all of that rubbish and replace it with his goodness and his peace and his joy? I'll tell you what, he didn't even finish his sentence. I was straight up there, straight up there. Best decision I ever made in my life. But I tell you what, 
during the middle, while I was hearing all of the things they were saying, there was a battle going on inside of my life. Everything within me wanted that and everything within me was saying, don't be a Muppet, what if it ain't true? And that peace stuff, there is a battle. I don't know if anybody else remembers that little battle going on inside your heads and your hearts. Do you remember that? Is this really real? The reason why it happens is because is we can't serve two masters. You can only serve one master. You're either serving Jesus or you're not. And I remember surrendering my life. It was the best thing I ever did. And if there's anybody here who's not done it, then um, I'm going to hang around afterwards today and I'd love to pray with you and encourage you and help you to give your life to Jesus because it'll be the best thing you've ever done. But before peace can come into our lives, there must be the transformation of our character, which Jesus termed the new birth. Peace is a deep abiding rightness inside. It's knowing that we are one with God. There is nothing in between us and God. I love this one here in Romans. It says, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Have you found that peace? Have you let go of yourself to let God get hold of you? So, upward peace with God. I told you it was going to be quick. The second one. Oh, sorry, have I done that wrong? Yeah, no, outward peace with God, here we go. Next one is inward peace, the peace of God. So first of all, Jesus gets hold of us and we get that sense of peace that it's okay between us and God. But then he also wants us to give us peace of God. And that comes when we face dark times. Anybody here ever had dark times? Okay, anybody here not got any hands? Okay, I think the rest of you, I just didn't want to put your hand up. Great, we all get dark times, okay? We need to have the peace in all circumstances of life. And one of my absolute, absolute favourite scriptures is this one in Philippians. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in all things, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present those requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. What a promise. What a promise. Don't be anxious about anything. So I want to ask you the question today. Have you got inner peace? Are you experiencing inner peace? And do you ever think of peace as a guard? I never really thought about that too much until I was preparing this. Guard your heart and guard your mind. That's the peace that God gives us. That's the scripture. talks about it. It guards us against disappointment. When you're filled with God's peace, it guards you against disappointment. Because you're more concerned about what he thinks and his love for you than you are about any circumstantial stuff. I know there's people here who have gone some difficult times. I should imagine there's some people here who have lost children, maybe even before they were born. Husbands who have lost wives, wives who have lost husbands. Things that have gone on in your lives that are really, really painful. I've heard loads of stories back in the church that Sarah and I helped lead. And the one thing that I always hear through all of those people's account is this. I don't think I could have ever have got through this without God's help and the help of God's people. There's nothing like the peace of God, no matter how painful and traumatic and confusing circumstances are. God's peace can minister right into the very heart of that. And again, we're going to pray at the end. And if you are struggling with stuff and maybe you're just, just hurts, misunderstandings, whatever it is, I'm going to pray that you know deeply in your heart the peace of God.
And the thing which I love about that is it says the peace of God that passes all understanding. This is the brilliant thing. God is so amazing with his peace. He's designed it for muppets like me because you don't have to understand it. You don't have to cognitively get your head around it. You just have to accept it. And God's peace will come into your life. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart. And it's not just for today. I love this bit here. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. How cool is that? It's not just you can have it on a Sunday whilst you're here and you're giving it, you come by yours. You can have it every single minute of the day, every day, in all circumstances. It doesn't just say, Carl, you've been a really good boy today. You can have my peace. He says, Carl, you're an absolute clown and a muppet right now. You really need my peace. I love that about Jesus in all circumstances. Here's another great one here. Isaiah 26.3. God will keep you. Sorry, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. This is a picture of a mind at rest because it's filled with the knowledge of our almighty. That's what we need. We need to be filled with the knowledge of God and it gives us rest. So here we go. So you're out with peace. And then this is the last one. Peace with one another. And this comes when we face our friends. Stuff was kicking off. Paul had to write to the church there. And he wrote this. He says, I plead with Euda and I plead with Syncate to agree each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow. That's the one we don't use very often, is it? Help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I'm sure you're going to find this a real shock right now, so I'm going to prepare for the moment as you gasp in. Becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't make you immune to disagreements. Now, I know, I know, I was surprised as well, really was. Now, because I know Freedom Church is like, a grade, amazing, you don't have problems. Amen. There we go. Thank you, sister. For the rest of us normal people who don't believe that, we, we all struggle, don't we? Anybody here had an argument on the way to church? The rest of you are probably fibbing. I, don't, don't we have this, Sarah? And I think it's probably just because of our dysfunctionality. But Sunday mornings, oh my days, on the way to church. Why is that? the most fertile ground for arguments. But it is. You know, and I'm sure, it's not rocket science, but I'm sure the enemy doesn't want us to get close to God, so he tries to bring division between people. And, the, and the, you know, the, the husband and wife, probably the most important relationship there. It's always a challenge. I'd like to say that Sarah is very gracious and very peaceful and really helps me stop being a Muppet. And I, though, don't feel too sorry for her, because I am actually God's means of grace for developing her character. <laughs> I'd even go so far as to say a gift. But becoming a follower of Jesus doesn't make you immune to disagreements. But when we find a common root in Christ, we need to work at being children of peace. We need to make every effort to get along with one another. And what Paul's basically saying to these two people here is, guys, stop fighting. Put it right. And if you know there's something wrong, put it right. 
I'm going to um, quickly uh, share an acronym with you, if I've got the slides right. Oh, there we go. There's another great one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So, dead quickly. Number one, this is going to help you have peace with each other. First of all, plan your action. Okay, think about what you're going to do and what you're going to say before you do it, before you say it. If you're in a conflict with someone, think to yourself, don't get... Don't follow your emotions. Don't follow your impulses. Think to yourself, is this going to be helpful, what I'm about to do and what I'm about to say to that person? The second one is empathize with their feelings when you talk to that person. If you're in an arc with somebody, just try and stop and see that person as a person, not as the problem. Realize that Jesus loves that person. If Jesus loves that person, he wants you to try and love that person. Don't just have a talk, but empathize with them. Listen without lecturing. Focus on correcting the problem and not the person. The next one is this. Attack the problem, not the person. They're not the problem. The problem exists between you. I don't know if anybody here has ever done the HDB marriage course. Anybody done that? I found it really helpful. It's a bit outdated now. The videos are a little bit cheesy. But the content is absolutely amazing. This isn't being recorded, is it? We're going to edit this bit. I really value the Alpha course and the up-to-date videos. We did it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why I talk from experience. Anyway, quickly moving on. Dig, dig, dig. Um, what we found was to help in the whole area of conflict, rather than seeing the problem as you're the problem or Sarah thinking I'm the problem, we stand together and the problem is there. We're, the, we're not the problem. We have a problem. And together, we're going to sort this problem which is there. And so try as much as you can, not attack the, the, um, the person, but attack the problem. Cooperate as much as possible. Do everything that is possible on your part. James 3 says this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. If you're wise, you will compromise. All grace relationships are built on compromise. Don't go for the wins all the time. And the last one is this. Emphasize reconciliation, not resolution. Okay? So you're not going to try and solve everything in all one go. But what you can do is reconcile and build that bridge towards each other. It means to reestablish the relationship. Resolution tries to resolve every issue. And not every issue will be resolved straight away. But we can always walk towards reconciliation and that's all that I'm going to share with you Sarah do you want to come up because Sarah's um, had loads of experience in dealing with peace and anxiety and that kind of stuff and I asked her if she would share some of her experiences and hopefully it will encourage you guys sorry I've got my coat on I've just realised um just really quickly, and again, come and talk to me if you want to know afterwards, but I think it's just really helpful sometimes to be vulnerable, particularly as, as church leaders, um, to say that you probably know, although Sim and Lottie just seem absolutely perfect and they're just gorgeous friends, that we don't all have it together all the time. And I, for one, have really struggled with anxiety over the years. Um, my dad, who's our senior church leader, actually, um, has, many people in our family have, 
And I think it's really helpful, for example, that the royals are making it really okay to talk about mental health, aren't they? I know those of you in the room will deal with it in, on a work career basis or, or um, with, with what you're doing with, it could be CAP or anything that you're involved in. And amongst ourselves, we're not immune, are we, to these sorts of things? But I'm um, just going to give you a little analogy that I found really helpful, something that happened in real life, but that I've applied to my own mental health and what God's done um, in me, um, is that we, um, a plumber came and broke our um, wedding photograph a few years ago, um, and um, just, you know, not off the mantelpiece type thing. And a bit of glass went in the ball of my foot. Um, and you can imagine it was quite painful. It was only a bit of glass, but you know even a paper cut's painful, isn't it, sometimes? And um, I thought I got it out. Anyway, a few um, weeks or months, I don't remember the exact time frame later, but some while later, I felt that it was hurting again. And as I was putting my foot down, it felt spiky. And I thought, it must, and remembered that the glass incident had happened. So I went to the nurse and um, she tried to pick at it and tried to get it out. Sorry about the graphic detail. Um, couldn't get it out. Um, and then eventually, after several times, she gave me this ointment that's called drawing ointment. I don't know if there's any medical type people in here. But it's some drawing ointment that you put on, on things like this. And it drew it to the surface. And it hurt as if it was coming out. Um, but then it properly healed up. And what I felt for me, and actually quite a few of my friends um, in different places in the country have felt something similar, and I don't know if it's something that God's doing, certainly it was for me, is that he brought issues to the surface that actually made me very anxious at the time and was really painful. But because he did that and made, or allowed it to happen, I don't believe he made me anxious, I believe he allowed it to happen, um, that actually I was able to deal with several issues and then heal up properly. And it's still something now that I battle with on a daily basis. Every now and again, there'll be something that sort of comes to me, but I feel much more resilient in being able to deal with it. And um, for me, it was real health anxieties and then had a horrible reaction to antibiotics and, and really felt like my life was in danger with that and all sorts of things. But actually, that experience reminded me of things in my childhood when I'd been intubated as an emergency and then um, had an endoscopy when I felt that actually I was pinned down and they were forcing something down my throat and things like that that actually were really, you know, brought to the surface and God allowed me to sort of remember, if you like. And, and through treatment, I did have some treatment, which again, I'll tell you about if you want to know more. Um, but I had an awful lot of prayer, and I experienced more than anything clinging to Jesus in that time. And I'd always say, yeah, hand in the air, punch, punch the air, somebody's, yeah. Because actually, and it's really it stood me in good stead for the work I'm doing now and for other things that God's doing in and through me that actually I wouldn't have been able to cope with. Another thing was um, leaving or losing the children. I was remembering even last time I was here, I was so anxious about them being in that room. I left before it finished and I went to go and get the children because I thought if, if Nathaniel particularly, he loves to run off, um, runs off, I've lost him in his school building they went on their own today I am fine about them being there yes they're a bit older but it's something that God's some mothers will understand this maybe some fathers um but the, the thought of losing your children which has happened a few times just that horrendous feeling but I actually really feel like I've been able to deal with things and just find Jesus in it and I just think as a word for probably a few of you in here today that instead, and it's interesting, instead of just saying, I love God, I've always loved Jesus, but having literally felt like I've been clinging to him, physically sometimes in bed, I've held Carl's hand because I felt like I was going to die. 
Um, things like going in the tube in London, I was ridiculously petrified and I literally had to clean the car. But I, it sounds ridiculous maybe, but it's true. I felt like the other hand, I literally had the hand of Jesus. And I could only do certain things um, with, with hanging on to him. And, you know, the Bethel song, I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. There's some incredible songs out at the moment about, about fear, and it seems to be more in the forefront of people's minds. But I just want to say to you that it's something that you struggle with, just literally spending more time in his presence. Like Carl said, um, it's a real peace consists of not in the absence of danger, but in the presence of God. When you really, really are close to Jesus, and he is your only option. Isn't that when you find that actually you can deal with things and really press on into him? And I just have three words for people, if I may, Sim, just before we finish, is that okay? Um, you know the um, ballerina boxes? Does, any, does anyone, I was going to say girls, it could have been boys, but you have a jewellery box and then you open it up and a little ballerina goes around and plays a lovely music song. Um, and I has got one of them. And um, if you shut the box, a ballerina is sort of like this inside. <laughs> I always feel sorry for her. Like, imagine, I've got a real empathy thing going on, and I know she's plastic, but I do feel sorry for her. Anyway, so, so when she's like this inside, actually, when you, li- when you lift the um, lid, she goes around, and I'm not going to sing the song, but she did this beautiful thing and spins. And I felt like that someone felt like they were trapped like that. Maybe not they're a literal dancer, but actually you're trapped by fear and anxiety. And actually what God wants to do this morning is lift the lid and you can dance beautifully again. So I think that might be for a few people, but if it is for you, then I'd love to pray for you. And also this morning, thank you, Zach, he gave up his bedroom again for us. Out out of um, the shower room window, you can just see the rooftops, can't you, Zach? (laughs) Well, you're you're lots all of them, you can probably see more, but I could just see um, rooftops. And that phrase, shout it from the rooftops, shout it from the rooftops, that's in one of the songs, um, came to me. And I feel like there's some, there's probably several of you here that feel like you've got a real evangelistic heart. But I felt like for someone particularly, you feel a bit like you want to shout about Jesus from the rooftops, but you feel a bit trapped and you feel a bit like you are afraid. And aren't we all but um, actually that God wants to release you this morning to shout it from the rooftops, however that looks. And lastly, um, this gentleman here has got a lovely jumper on with black and grey. I don't know your name, sorry. Um, (laughs) um, But Nathaniel's got a similar one on, which was actually like a reverse colour. Did you notice this morning? Yeah, okay. So it's maybe for you, maybe for other people, but actually that God wanted to reverse childhood things, that actually um, that... You know, Nathaniel's a child, you're clearly an adult, but actually that things from the past and things from childhood were going to be reversed and flipped for your good, but for, for God as well. It might not be for you, so, but for other people. Um, but yeah. So, you want to come back? Okay. So if any of that made any sense to you, then let me know, but I do believe people want to be realistic. Okay. Just wondering if the band, if, is there a few guys come up? And then what I'd love to do is just worship and just focus on God. Because, you know, that's in his presence, that's where we find peace. Yeah, when we keep, keep our eyes on Jesus and we fix our eyes on him, that's when we find peace. So we're going to worship in a second. And if any of that connected with you, we'd love to pray with you. Um, I, had a, I had a picture of that tree, actually. In fact, I don't even know if it's, if it's fake or not. Is it fake? I'm going to be really naughty and, and pull off a fake leaf. Actually, I'm not because it's too strong. I want you to imagine this invisible fake leaf. <laughs> but I did feel like God showed me a, a picture of a leaf falling off. 
And maybe you feel like you've lost your peace. The beautiful thing about that tree and the beautiful thing about the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is it's something which is grown. And Father God doesn't want you to pick up yesterday's peace that you feel you've lost. He's actually growing some new peace for you. He's bringing something new into you. And you may feel like, I've lost my peace or I, I feel anxious about this. I once had this wonderful peace when I first surrendered my life to Jesus, but I feel some of it's been robbed or I, a bit like a dead leaf, it's fallen to the floor. Well, God says to you today, if you will come to him, he will give you new fruit. He will give you new peace. So as we worship, um, I just wonder, is God speaking to you? And if he is, if you would specifically like prayer, I'm going to just invite you just to come down the front. I'm going to get any of... Uh, Sim and his mates and his team to come. We're going to pray for you. I'm more than happy to pray for you. Sarah's more than happy to pray for you. But I really want to challenge this. Anybody here who's never, ever actually surrendered their life to Jesus, you've never actually found peace with God between you and him, let alone other people, please don't walk out these doors today without letting Jesus come and take your life. As you surrender your life to him and say, God, you can have my life. I recognize that. I don't deserve all the good stuff that I've just been listening about because I've lived this way or I've got this stuff in my life. As you do that, God will say, I'm going to take all of that stuff off you. I'm going to make you a new creation. That's why I let my son Jesus die on the cross because he took your place so that you don't have to go through life suffering. So if you've never asked Jesus to come and forgive you, to give you peace, to make you whole, Again, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I would so love, even if it's just one person, it would be completely worth the whole of the journey to come down here and go back to Lincoln just for you. And I really feel that in my spirit now. That is just would be the greatest privilege I could ever have would be to pray with you today. So, Ben, would you mind leading us? Sim? For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk Thank you for listening.